I'm Diana Penunchal, Associate Editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association, and you're listening to Call Number with American Libraries. It's that time of year again. School is back in session, including for students working toward their master's degrees in library and information science. This episode, we're looking at what's new in library school. First, I interview co-advisors of the iBlack Caucus, a student organization formed by the Black Caucus of ALA that launched in fall 2022. The cohort is made up of Black Library School students and recent graduates, and has a mission of fostering camaraderie and creating mentorship in the field. Then, I talk with faculty members and a student at Dominican University in River Forest, Illinois, about the Master's in Library and Information Science and Social Work dual degree program. We discuss the overlap between these two disciplines and why there is a need for such a program in library school. But first, here's a word from our sponsor. When we ban books, we're closing readers off to people, places, and perspectives. But when we stand up for stories, we unleash the power that lies inside every book. Let freedom read during Banned Books Week, October 1st through the 7th, 2023. Shop for posters, bookmarks, buttons, and more at alastore.ala.org. iBlack Caucus, a cohort that meets and collaborates virtually, brings together Black students from library schools across the country. The group provides students with a way to communicate with one another and access resources like weekend study sessions and educational workshops. To learn more, I spoke with Anna Ndumu, Assistant Professor in the College of Information Studies at University of Maryland in College Park, Shantae Burns-Simpson, Associate Director at the Center for Educators in Schools at New York Public Library and immediate past president of BCALA, and Marlena Okechuku, a recent MLIS graduate who currently works as Outreach Coordinator for Hennepin County Law Library in Minneapolis. Okechuku also serves as iBlack Caucus Fellow on the organization's Advisory Committee Board and works to ensure students' needs are prioritized. Can you share a little bit about how the iBlack Caucus student organization came about? This is Anna. As an LIS educator, I noticed that students either kind of gravitated to their own campus organization, if they had one at all for students of color, especially Black students, or they sort of gravitated to different LIS groups, including the Black Caucus of ALA. So I knew that there needed to be some unity across programs But because of the very short-term nature of the master's degree is the shortest degree, two years, usually when you start an endeavor on a college campus, it usually fizzles out when that group or cohort of students started it. That's the curse of student organizations. They start with the bang, they end with the fizzle, and it's so dependent on that location, that institution. We knew we needed, and by we, uh, a few colleagues, Shantae, Chandra Walker, who we have to thank, Gina DuVernay, Richard Ashby Jr. So many people were at the beginning stages of this organization, and we knew two things. We needed funding because it would require a lot of funds, but then also it needed to be with a national organization that was separate from ALA and separate from ALA-accredited library schools uh, because there's some things, some independence conversations, and even the lack of bureaucracy that would 
allow it to live the way it needs to live and to have earnest conversations outside of the curriculum, fulfilling that side education that you kind of need. And for Black MLIS students, there's a need to connect them across the 60-something programs because you can have such an independent experience at your one library school, but you have so many others. Well, when it comes to Black students, not so many others, but we still know what the demographics are. But we thought, why not connect and bridge students? And so we approached the BCALA president and vice president. Shantae was vice president, the president-elect at the time, and the rest is history. In your research, you mentioned that if Black students are to truly see themselves represented in LIS education, there must be deep support. Can you talk more about that idea of deep support and how you hope having the iBlack Caucus Student Organization provides that for Black students? This is Shante. The deep support is a multitude of things from learning about Black trailblazers in this profession that's not being taught in the curriculum to supporting students who are sometimes the only person of color in the class or in their library. That's challenging and you need to feel supported. You need to know you have a community of people who pretty much have your back or have experienced that same situation. And so those are just some of the things that we feel iBlack Caucus will be answering and will be supporting our library school students. It's so important right now with so many issues colliding with higher education, such as affirmative action, book bans, intellectual freedom being attacked. So I think Black MLIS students, really starting from the pandemic, and this work started in 2018 when we applied, and then we were granted the grant in 2019, just as we were starting and reached into 2020, the pandemic came, right? So then we noticed that people were really isolated. We launched, we had online parties, we had conversations. And so I think, especially in this moment, and, you know, as it would happen today, we've been kind of thinking about what the fall semester would bring, and we've been planning all of these events and webinars, but right now, it's a key moment, and affirmative action attacks Black librarianship, book bans attacks Black librarianship. I can imagine that students feel even more stressed or even more demoralized. So having a Black student organization is critical now just to inject some Black joy and tell students they're seen and they're affirmed in a way that maybe in their states they're not, but maybe they can find solidarity in other states. I can imagine some students in, for example, Montana right now or Florida feeling incredibly disillusioned. So maybe they can find hope in their colleagues So you touched on it a little bit, but what events, initiatives, or programs has the organization implemented so far? Maybe you can share a little bit about what's to come. So this is Marlena. So there have been quite a few events over the last year or so. So there was a leadership institute in Durham, North Carolina, and the Envisioning iBlack Caucus study session at ALA. And from those two events, we gathered enough information and feedback to begin bringing iBlack Caucus to life roughly in the fall of 2022. So we officially launched with a day-long series of events. We had a keynote that featured Dr. Kimberly Black Parker, Associate Professor and Librarian Information Science 
at Chicago State University. We had a real talk session, which was an open forum for conversation. And it was moderated by three LIS students who actually have since graduated. Rashida Scott Blades from the University of Arizona, Aaron Wilson from the University of Maryland, and Geneva Smith from North Carolina Central University. We had open and honest conversations about what student needs at these events and got a lot of feedback from those sessions. After that, we had a virtual launch party, which was an hour of music and trivia and Jeopardy style questions that was well attended by all of the LIS students at that time. And then we've also worked on tools and platforms that we'll use to continue to engage students and we'll host sessions and provide spaces for learning, professional development and community. So students will have access to an iBlack Caucus Slack channel and that'll be moderated by a student. We'll offer some community building as well as study sessions on weekends. Um, And we're also in the process of building out the membership hub, which is your membership, which is a part of the BCALA website and a couple of keynote sessions we have planned as well for the fall. What feedback have you received from student members regarding being a part of the organization, some of the programs you guys have been putting together in the virtual events? Can you share how the organization has made an impact on the students? One person said, my school is all online, and even though I have One BIPOC cohort member through my program has been really hard to find community. Another person talked about the panels that we hosted, said, and it was so affirming as an LIS student and new information professional. And I can tell you my own personal feedback. As a student, before I knew about BCALA, I felt quite alone. I live in a state that is a fairly is majority white. And the library system that I work for is majority white. The profession itself is majority white. And so oftentimes you feel really alone and like there's no one that understands some of the conversations that you want to have or some of the challenges that you may have or some of the community that you seek. And, you know, to be frank, until I found BCALA and then iBlack Caucus and all of this support, I personally felt alone. And so it was a lifeline for me. So my maiden name was Anna Guthrie. I've literally walked into interviews and people were like, I wasn't expecting you, you, because my name sounded European and Caucasian. So I attended an asynchronous online library school, which means oftentimes you don't see your classmates or your instructor. There was a classmate and her name is Sandra Phoenix, and I did not also see the demographics associated with that person. Years later, we both found out we were Black, one, but then also worked in HBCU libraries. And when we met, we didn't think we were we. So (laughs) I wish that in my library experience, I had had something like this where we can meet and even in person. What if we had known that we actually were both Black women and we were in the same program? We didn't learn that until years later. We had been in a student group together in a class working together on a project asynchronously and never knew how much we had in common. And then she became so instrumental. If I had not gone through the HBCU Library Alliance uh, Leadership Institute, I would not be where I am today. My mentor, Adrienne Weber, shout out to her. She's still a mentor, still have her on speed dial. So it's these opportunities that are serendipitous and you just kind of network that that I think we need to create more spaces for these natural connections and for people to kind of get out of their bubble, their LIS school bubble. 
there is just something to be said when you are going through school together and going just throughout this profession with folks who, again, have experienced some challenges that are similar to yours, microaggressions that, you know, your your counterparts, they won't ever understand, even if they, they try their best, which you, it is what it is. I do remember, and I still stay in contact with many of the people that I was in library school that are, you, you know, Black, but I remember going to my first ALA conference and I saw this person in one of the workshops that they just looked like they had it all together. And I did like, I didn't want to just like follow them, but I just like struck up a conversation and they were like, oh, well, there's a BCALA meet and greet. And when I went and saw all of these people, I mean, again, I do work with people of color, but it was just like, this is my tribe in a conference that it was kind of like, maybe being like a fly in a bowl of milk, we were very spread out. Mm -hmm. So it's just really, really important to just feel, again, that sense of community. And so I think that this iBlack Caucus is essential now and will continue to be. What do you hope library schools learn from this organization when they see it? Let me give credit to Shante and at the time, Vice President-elect Michelle, because they did so much to connect with library schools. Mm -hmm. So there was once a very synergistic relationship between BCALA and library schools, but that's when there were more Black library schools, such as the Clark Atlanta School. Since then, we've seen the connection kind of fizzle. So when we think about Virginia, Dr. Virginia Lacey Jones and Dr. E.J. Josie, he had an entire pipeline to the University of Pittsburgh, Dr. Carla Hayden, Dr. Ishmael Abdullahi. So many people were recruited to not just LIS, but LIS PhDs and look at where they are, right? Mm -hmm. So that pathway between library schools and BCALA onto national leadership, Marlena is an example, just leading there's a student, Aaron, she mentioned, who um, I happened to meet. He became connected with iBlack Caucus, and now I'm his thesis advisor, and he's doing a bang-up job on his thesis. I hope he continues on to the, to the PhD because we need more Black male professors. Mm -hmm. We know Black males are 0.06% of the profession. Imagine what it is at the faculty level, non-existent, almost. We have a few, Jason Alston, but we need more. So I'm hoping that iBlack Caucus is a feeder pattern into BCALA leadership, but then also national leadership and maybe library school leadership. I think there can be succession, but it has been wonderful to see that relationship revitalized and BCALA had a strong presence at the Association for LIS Education last year presenting on this and making rounds to library school and being a guest lecturer Shantae did that I mean she was on a speaking circuit for about a year or two and so this is all to say that the lesson is that your program doesn't have to do it all. You can work with the NALCOs, you can work with other organizations in true partnership, right? Not just co-opting or extracting, but allowing your students to maybe have subsidized membership to BCALA or teaching BCALA's history in your curriculum. So a bilateral relationship, I think that might be a lesson to be learned. Anna's right. Library schools, they need to see that there is a lot more to be done. 
if they really just want to diversify the profession or keep people of color in the profession. We always say that diversity matters in literature, but diversity definitely matters in our libraries as well. So let's get to work. I do hope that the schools understand that Black librarians have and continue to impact the profession significantly and that organizations like BCALA help us continue to, in an organized manner, affect the profession. And the only way that we can keep doing that is if library schools acknowledge the history of Black librarianship, the past work that's been done and what's being done currently to bring Black students into the profession. It has to be articulated. It has to be said. And I can't remember ever, not once during my program, hearing of any of these trailblazing librarians that Anna just mentioned, not once. But I did hear about, you know, how Black librarians were excluded from the first ALA conference. You know, you hear about all of those things and like some of the the negative aspects of being excluded from professional life and, you know, society in general, but not the contributions and the ways that we kind of you know, clawed our way into the profession, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and made a significant contribution. So I hope that that's understood. I hope that when universities hear iBlack Caucus or BCALA, that it resonates just as loudly as ALA or some of the other like really well-known national organizations, and that they also refer students to these organizations for the support, the professional development, and the direction that they might need. ALA Graphics' new fall catalog has arrived, and with it comes exciting new posters, bookmarks, and more. Authors Neil Gaiman and Jason Reynolds each join the Celebrity Read campaign, appearing on new posters holding their favorite book. Advocate for intellectual freedom with our new Free People Read Freely buttons and bookmarks. Shop these items and more at alastore.ala.org. Dominican University offers a handful of dual degree programs through its library school, including one that offers a master's in both library and information science and social work. I chatted with Dominican's Peggy Ryan, director of the School of Social Work's Field Education Office, and Don Hammerly, professor and director of the School of Information Studies, along with Molly Layton, who is currently enrolled in the library science and social work dual degree program. We discussed how these fields go hand in hand. So we'll actually get started off with Molly. What motivated you to pursue a dual degree in librarianship and social work? Most of my background was in theater. Once the pandemic hit, I lost all of my jobs. And, you know, the theater world is a little volatile, I'm realizing. So I I sat with myself for a while and was like, I would like to get into something that A, was a little more reliable, (laughs) stable. When I thought about that, the artistic director of Steppenwolf Theater, that's where my full-time job was for years. She was a firm believer of the idea of like public square and like public space. And that always resonated with me. You know, I'm always volunteering and loving to work with my community. So when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, well, that's libraries, right? And at this point, libraries are really only our public spaces we have left. A lot have been closing. And so it's really truly the only place, no matter your background or your immigration status or your home status, that you can just come in and use and have resources and air conditioning and entertainment. So, and there's where they connect, right? This storytelling and entertainment, but also this public forum. 
But then I saw the dual masters and thinking back to what I truly want to be doing, it really did have a social work component in there. I just hadn't thought about that as a career. So I was like, that's what I want to do. What are some of the key ways that librarianship and social work go together? How does getting a dual degree in librarianship and social work benefit today's library student? This is Sister Peggy. And, you know, the purpose of the social work profession is to promote human and community well-being. So this fit between libraries as public spaces, as community spaces, and the social work profession have always had hand-in-glove opportunity. They fit together so well. And when you look at the values of social work, social justice, service, dignity and worth of the person, importance of human relationships, integrity, competence, all of the values of social work also coincide with what libraries are trying to do in terms of serving communities. What's unique about Dominican University is that we have traditionally the Dominican sisters who started Dominican University started the library science school long time ago. And so the renowned reputation of the library science school now fits so well with our social work degree and our reputation in the community, the greater Chicagoland area for serving through social work and library science. This is Don. Yeah, I would like to say that they, they fit together really well. There are many examples of social services that libraries provide that reinforce the mission of both social work and libraries. Some offer free lunches to children and adults. You know, in summer, uh, they're assisting individuals with housing insecurity, providing free access to internet. That's a, an initiative I hope to undertake here in the Chicagoland area, which is attacking the digital divide right, and getting people access to, to resources. Really, both try to connect community members to resources and agencies. And most recently in the Chicagoland area, you know, Chicago has been a recipient of many immigrant families who've been shipped up here from the southern borders. And so we have some Chicago public libraries and librarians who are working with social workers to find assistance for immigrant families, for mental and physical health, for employment, for uh, housing, legal resources, et cetera. So. Can you share with us a few unique things about the librarianship and social work dual degree? In Dominican, the School of Social Work and the School of Information Studies exist within the same college, the College of Applied Social Sciences, along with our School of Education. So it provides this unique opportunity for collaborative work. And so that plays out in a number of ways. We have history of collaborative teaching across our two units. We used to have faculty from both collaboratively teach a community informatics course, and we have a faculty member who teaches an advanced social work course in libraries. I think from the perspective of the field education office, so we're where students come to get ready and then to experience their internships, their practicums. Like for instance, we had two first year or generalist interns in the School of Social Work who were in a library this past year. And they did a lot of macro and micro work. They actually worked with an MSW that was had been hired by the library and started some programming, became a safe place for trans youth to come to so not only are they addressing the issues of the day in libraries, they're also moving into more micro practice. So there's 
there's actual therapeutic services that are taking place. Because historically, I think libraries have offered macro um, social work practices, like Don mentioned, that addressing the digital divide or having trainings, having workshops, doing podcasts. And now I think the trend is to move to more micro services as well. Yeah, I'd like to add just one more thing, and it's, it comes from our faculty colleague, uh, Adrian Cook from Social Work, who notes that it's not just a one-way street, that librarians benefit from social workers in the library, but that library students can really help social service agencies because they bring a set of skills that aren't really taught in social work. So keeping the record, providing a curated list of resources, for example, creating websites and finding aids that can benefit any, you know, any social service agency. So it's a two-way street. I'm wondering, has librarianship and social work always gone hand in hand, or is that connection something that has recently formed or evolved? I believe that when there was a shift in the way that mental health was addressed in this country in the 1960s, libraries became a place where people who needed to get out from the heat of the day or needed a a warm place to go or needed somewhere that they felt safe, libraries became a safe place. And, you know, I don't think we can assume that every library was inviting, but I think anybody that's been a patron of libraries for the past 50 years knows this growing trend of people seeking respite, seeking a place to go, have used libraries. And I think what we're finding in the changing of that trend from macro to micro is that now libraries are starting to hire licensed clinical social workers or MSWs right out of school where they can get their experience and then get their license. And so the services offered are addressing those more immediate needs poverty, homelessness, substance abuse, mental health issues. The two professions arose about the same time in the post-Civil War era. So uh, Melville Dewey established the first library school at Columbia in New York in 1887. The first social work course was offered in like 1898, I think, at Columbia. Chicago University of Chicago had similar parallel programs. They're, they're both sort of uh, products of the progressive era, and they kind of rise and fall with the rise and fall in progressive movements. And so they kind of go hand in hand. The first noted hiring of a full-time public library social worker was just in 2009 in San Francisco. And then there was a big push about five years ago that's continuing. There's just so many opportunities. I think even now, as of last year, last April, the most recent statistics I could find, there are only about 56 full-time public library social workers in the country and more part-time, but not as many as you'd think. And there are 17,000 public libraries in the U.S. So there, there's ample opportunity for our two professions to continue to work together. You know, Don mentioned that this is a two-way street. And in the field of social work, we're working very hard to deconstruct the history of social work, to look at it from an anti-racism, anti-oppressive viewpoint. So Libraries help us do that with the research available in the ways that we can come at social work now with more cultural humility. Yeah, and social workers are helping libraries embrace those movements in their missions, more towards social justice and trauma-informed practice. There aren't as many programs like ours as you think there would be, and I know there's interest in it. So I've had directors of other schools like ours express interest in our program because they're looking to develop programs like ours. 
what trends or shifts relating to dual degrees have you been seeing in library schools? Have you seen a rise in the demand for them and which dual degrees are most popular? I think it's remiss if we don't mention something about this soft core COVID world that we're living in right now as compared to the hardcore COVID world, because mental health has demonstrated such a huge gap. COVID's become part of our world, has brought up so many disparities in terms of race and health and mental health. So it just seems remiss not to mention that the libraries and social work institutions have been deeply affected by COVID. Now, that's a, that's a great point, Sister Peggy, and it really points to um, the project that our colleague Jim Scherer and Social Work did with the Collaborations in Libraries course. They, they worked in a suburb of Chicago, very near to the university, that had a, a spike in mental health issues, especially suicides during COVID. And so the students in the course worked with the Bellwood Public Library to do research and propose a program and a campaign to increase local businesses in the area because it's sort of economically depressed and to make mental health services available through the public library. To the question of dual degrees, there are a number uh, of schools that offer dual degrees. I think they're increasing in number and I think it's twofold. Partly from the student's perspective, students, they're looking for opportunities to broaden in every way that they can their employability, you know, and desirability. Schools also are looking for ways to attract students. It's really, it's, a, it's coming from both directions, and we're seeing an increase in the number of dual degrees. Mostly, there are a number of programs that offer dual degrees with librarianship and, and law for aspiring law librarians. The same with music. Music librarianship is a big deal. And of course, a lot of dual degrees with other degree programs that are similar in nature, humanities programs like English and history, also political science and language courses. And Molly, this is a question for you. What have been some challenges you faced while pursuing this dual degree? I work full time for the mental health agency thresholds here in Chicago. I ended up getting this job kind of right as I was making the decision to start this degree. And it's been a really great kind of like a paid internship. I work for our intake department, but I will say it's hard to balance a full-time job and a dual degree, any degree really. But like for me, the separation of the classes. So like the time in between one library science class and the next one could be a year or several months and then vice versa with the social work classes. So that can be challenging for me to like retain what I need to move to the next class or the next level. And definitely workload is a little hard for sure, but it, you know, it's something you just have to block out and make time for and know I'm in school for the next however many years in my case, because I am part-time. Also, I'm anxious to put it into practice. It is nice, again, that I work with a social service agency, so I can start to see how it applies, but it's, it's just a lot of work. I'm just getting anxious to like put it into practice so I can make sure I've retained the information correctly and can ask the questions of the things I don't feel I know completely. So yeah, I mean, you have to know what you're getting into. You have to be prepared for that. Don't do it unless you're ready to work really hard. Do you have any advice or last words for library students currently in a dual degree program or wanting to get into library school? 
The dual degree, you really just have to want, like what Molly mentioned, you really just have to want to be able to combine the passion for service with the information science. That's so key. I think the students who go for this dual degree really have a research heart. And social work has such a strong relationship to evidence-based practice that that's so important and is of such great service to our profession. For students who are looking at a dual degree, I think they need to follow Molly's earlier advice, which is to just understand what they're getting themselves into, right? To to understand the scope of it. And no one, no student who's not studied social work or librarianship understands the breadth and scope of either or both of those professions. And so understanding that they're going to get a lot more than they anticipate from their investment in the programs, but they do need to go in with their eyes open and understand the scope of what they're going to do in terms of cost and, and time and commitment. My advice, especially with that public space aspect of librarianship, any other like information you can find on how to handle any other kind of situation or have knowledge in any kind of other area, I think will really benefit anyone who's looking to be a librarian today. If you have it in you, always good to have a little more knowledge about something, another field. Looking to give your library cards a makeover? Choose from five inspiring and imaginative designs at the ALA store. Plus, there's space to customize the design with your library's name or logo. Shop library card art at alastore.ala.org and liven up your library cards. And save $5 off with code ALPOD5OFF. That's ALPOD5OFF. Our September episode will take a look at threats to intellectual freedom ahead of Banned Books Week. Is there a story or topic you'd like us to cover next? Let us know. Thanks for listening.